welcome to another Fuds on Film podcast. My name is Scott Morris and I'm joined today by my good friend Drew Tavendale. Uh, today, for no particularly cromulent reason, we've decided to take a look at uh, both The Departed and its progenitor Infernal Affairs. I believe the reasoning was largely, I've just watched Infernal Affairs again and that seemed a good reason <laughs> to pick this for the compare and contrast. Yes, and so, I guess obviously the first of these films to come out was Infernal Affairs back in 2002. And it was released in Hong Kong to great commercial and critical success. If memory serves, this was like up for about 16 Hong Kong film awards or something like that. It was something absolutely ludicrous. And with that, it was immediately snappled up for a Western remake, uh, which was very much the style at the time. Becoming, of course, The Departed four years later in 2006. So we're taking this opportunity 15 years after the original's release and... We have our finger in the pulse as always. <laughs> yes, a rather less round 11 years after the Western adaptation to see how they both hold up. Now, there's a better than evens chance we'll get fairly deep into spoiler territory as we talk about them. So if you haven't seen one or other of these excellent films, we heartily recommend that you slap on the pod brakes and watch them and come back to us when you're good and ready. While the films have a fair amount of differing plot details, the bulk of them aren't actually all that important to the overall art of the story. In both, a local crime lord takes the step of asking a fresh-faced new recruit in the gang to instead enter the police academy and report on the zany hijinks going on in there. Or, well, become a mole, uh, (laughs) with the idea that the flow of information to and from the gang leader to the mole will let him dismantle any rival's operations and stay one step ahead of the pobo himself. Meanwhile, rather more conventionally, the cops are going in the other direction, taking a smart but overly angry recruit from a family with criminal links and asking him to work undercover, washing him out of the academy on a pretense and having him enter the crime lord's service after a while. Time passes and both moles rise to positions of prominence in their respective organisations, but the crisis in the films kick off when both teams work out that these moles exist and start taking steps to flush them out, leading to increasingly bloody operations with a slightly different outcome depending on which film you're watching. Yeah, Drew, why don't you tell us a little bit about the original Infernal Affairs then and we'll take it from there. Infernal Affairs tells the story of two undercover agents, as you mentioned, Scott. One... Yan, played by Tony Leung, a police officer in a triad gang, the other Ming, Andy Lau, a police inspector whose true boss is the head of that same triad gang. After a quick setup of the two moles, the action really begins with an incredibly tense sequence involving a drug deal and the cat and mouse game of each mole's respective boss relying on their man's information to give them an advantage. In the end, it's a no-score draw, but it reveals to each boss that they have an infiltrator in their ranks and sets up the rest of the film as a pursuit for their identities. As much as this is shot and edited like a classic Hong Kong action film, it's less about the action and more about the psychological toll that the work and the double life takes on the lead characters. Tony Leung's Yan looks particularly dreadful, like he has been through hell. The Chinese title of Infernal Affairs refers to the lowest level of hell in Buddhism, which involves perpetual suffering. Physically, Lao's Ming fares better, but there is a haunted look in his eyes that betrays his torment as his conscience continually nags him. Both men are nearing breaking point. It's a striking looking film. The blue and silver palette combined with brisk camera work and editing makes Hong Kong a visually appealing setting, but it never gets bogged down with lingering shots. And in all aspects, it's a very economical film. It doesn't spend a lot of time setting things up it's just it's like bang 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 and requires that its audience pays attention 
which is easy enough because it's riveting. You can't really look away from it. But it does rather set it apart from The Departed. What we'll do is, I think we'll maybe just give you a little bit of a lowdown on The Departed as well, if you guess you've not seen that one, and then we'll just get straight into the comparisons, because that's probably where the most interesting bits of it will lie. Uh, the Departed is, of course, Martin Scorsese's return to gangster movies, and was always going to be hotly anticipated after the likes of Goodfellas and Casino, but I must confess my reliably unreliable memory no longer recalls if I was pleased or disappointed that he was making a film I already thought was plenty good enough, thanks. Um, at any rate, I shouldn't have worried, as... While my review at the time for the one-liner thought this was very good but an unnecessary remake, uh, I'd say it's the better film now, having re-evaluated them in the cold, harsh light of dystopian space year 2017. That's surprising yeah. but interesting, okay. Yeah, the Departed moves the action to Boston, with Jack Nicholson playing mob boss Frank Costello, befriending a young and impressionable Colin Sullivan, who grew up to be Matt Damon. He's off to join the cops, while in opposite direction, Leonardo DiCaprio's Billy Costigan is approached by police boss Queenan, Martin Sheen, and the foul-mouthed head of the undercover unit Dignum, Mark Wahlberg, to act more like his thuggish extended family than his upstanding deceased father and get in with Costello's outfit. This version of the story isn't afraid to pack it to the gunnels with characters, with a very fine ensemble cast that also includes the like of Alec Baldwin, David O'Hara, Ray Winstone and Vera Farmiga who equip themselves well, but it's Damon's smarm and DiCaprio's edge that makes the greatest impact. I think this is a, a rare example where making the film longer actually helped, as you mentioned Drew, the first film is relentlessly paced, almost punishingly so in places, and I think the extra half hour or so over Infernal Affairs that The Departed has actually helps give the story a little bit more room to breathe, and actually still is about as relentlessly paced as the original, to be honest, but it does have a, a little bit more uh, fat to just expand out into. And It may be a language barrier, but I think it does a better job of showing the struggles of Costigan and Sullivan are having, keeping their true character and their cover straight, certainly more so than the overblown histrionics of Infernal Affairs 3, which is something I have to say, having now gone back and uh, also watched Infernal Affairs 2, which is a prequel in Infernal Affairs 3. It's, I wouldn't say it's tarnished the original film, but it certainly colours it. It perhaps would have been better left alone, I think. And The Departed was clearly designed with a, as a one-shot and with no attempts to go for anything like a prequel or a sequel. So it has a rather more tied-up conclusion, shall we say, in a way that the first film doesn't and perhaps suffers from it. I think I appreciated the ending at the time, but I don't think it's held up quite so well, um, probably just because of Infernal Affairs 3, which was odd on a very great number of levels. You mentioned something about comparing them, which is kind of the thing we do in this podcast, so why don't you dig into that? Yes, um, first of all I will say, I have not seen Infernal Affairs 3. I have just watched Infernal Affairs 2 for the first time, and the story in The Departed picks up some of the same background, the same themes that Infernal Affairs 2 does. I would like to just say that um, it's not really just compare the original Infernal Affairs and The Departed, because I think all the things that are added to the story in Infernal Affairs 2, largely A, don't work, and B, are necessary, with that proviso in place. And I always very much liked The Departed, but I hadn't watched Infernal Affairs in a very long time, and it's only after watching them in such close proximity that I realised, good as The Departed is, how much tighter, more efficient, and just better Infernal Affairs is. Um, so I'm quite surprised to hear you say the opposite, Scott. Um, it's tighter. I think it, I think it rushes through things a bit too quickly for any of it to sink in. Uh, when it um, is trying to, when so much of it is about the sort of deterioration of the the characters and, and how the difference between their you know internal character and the what they're supposedly doing, um, it does tend to rush through that quite a lot in Infernal Affairs. I found whereas the party just having a little bit of extra time to flesh it out, I think helped it. I didn't feel that at all. Actually, again, this on this viewing it, I 
watched The Departed again, and I, and I was kind of I was like, speed up a bit. I, I, I don't care about this. Take this away, please. Um, I felt that a good few times watching this. And The Departed is still a fine film, but it's and Martin Scorsese is a great filmmaker and one of my favourites. Although it's it was very much the pity Oscar he got for this because clearly that ought to have been given to Goodfellas hmm. because yeah, yeah, Dances with Wolves go away. There were elements in Infernal Affairs that The Departed copies almost wholesale, but with enough of a difference that it almost entirely changes the effect or has no point. Or often, it just puts in something that was in the original, um, for instance, the setting up of a team to investigate the mole in the police force, the following of the mole from the cinema, largely because it was an original without it really making sense in the remake. The most egregious example of that is when Sullivan asks Costello to get all of his social security numbers and personal information of his crew. In Infernal Affairs, and setting aside the action or the events of Infernal Affairs 2, which completely changed the knowledge you have of this from Infernal Affairs. In Infernal Affairs, nobody knows anything about Jan, who has also been undercover for many years. In The Departed, every single person involved knows Costigan's name, and Costello has known him from the beginning and knew that he was in the police. Therefore, there's no tension, no worrying that Costigan will get found out. His real identity is already known. The scene is there because in Infernal Affairs it is there. It sets up Costigan's later discovery of Sullivan as a mole, but on its, on its own it doesn't work. Then, near the beginning of Infernal Affairs, Ming tricks a gangster into giving up the location of his gang. This is actual police work. It doesn't serve his boss, it shows that Ming is capable and actually performs genuine service at times. The corresponding scene in The Departed is nearly identical, except that it aids Costello, making Matt Damon's character less nuanced and less interesting. And there are lots of little things like that in The Departed. Less ambition, less ambiguity of character, less subtlety. That means that even if it wanted to, The Departed couldn't pull off the crisis of conscience that Infernal Affairs does. Lau's Ming begins to be plagued by doubts towards the end of the film. He is tiring of the double life and seems to have a growing conscience. And it seems, while he has done too much harm to be redeemed, that he at least might be giving being a good guy a go, and it would be believable. Part of that perhaps is the fact that Andy Lau is a better actor than Matt Damon, but his character is also written more interestingly with greater depth than Damon Sullivan. Sullivan is selfish and shallow, and had they tried the same thing in The Departed, it would have rung hollow. Sullivan's character never develops. He's a self-serving jackass at the beginning, he's a self-serving jackass at the end. And then we have Mark Wahlberg's character, Sergeant Dignam, an addition in Departed who seems to exist just to be a belligerent pillock for no reason whatsoever. I'm pretty much certain he was written in just so that he could be the Avenger at the end because he serves almost no purpose other than being a swearing delivery device for the rest of the film. Oh, and talking of the end, Scorsese must have been having an uncharacteristic off day to allow such an obvious and ham-fisted bit of imagery as the rat scuttling by in Sullivan's balcony to make it into his finished film. It's rare for Scorsese to be so on the nose with things like that. Character-wise, though, for me, The Departed earns a big win in one area. Frank Costello. Eric Chang's Hong Sam is largely anonymous in Infernal Affairs, appearing at first almost as a kindly avuncular uncle, and never really feeling particularly menacing or dangerous at any point. Jack Nicholson steals. Well, choose. Every scene that he's in, and he's phenomenally entertaining. He's a much better foil for Martin Sheen's Queenan than Sam is for Anthony Wong's S.P. Wong. It's just disappointing that his character was given so much racist and misogynistic dialogue. 
was it really necessary? There is a downside to Nicholson's presence in that it rather takes away focus from Damon's and DiCaprio's characters and it's meant to be their story. But still, Jack Nicholson. I, you can't complain because Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Last thing I would like to say for you say your piece, Scott, is and what we've touched on already, but Infernal Affairs is much faster paced than Departed, which seems, uh, to me, I, I think it's still quite quick, but seems almost pedestrian by comparison. Much of the difference comes from the party's need to explain everything as well as give the two main characters backstory. Um, something which is again put into a completely separate film in the Hong Kong version. The Hong Kong film spends a few minutes setting them up and then it's bang and they're into the action and it trusts its audience to pick up who is doing what to who and why without having to spell it out. And as long as you pay attention, and I don't see how you could not as it's riveting, that's not a problem. I do wonder if part of that's a film culture thing though. I've thought for years that mainstream Hollywood never credits its audience's intelligence sufficiently, something that of course becomes or has become a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it feels like The Departed over-explains things. Um, I really prefer the original, the, the fact that it just gets straight to business and just rushes through things. I like that about it so much. I don't think I'd ever want to be on a team where explaining things and having backstory are seen as negatives. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that as actually you meant that as a positive for The Departed because uh, <laughs> I, I think it does a better job of having character motivations out front and uh, I think I don't, I just can't get behind anyone thinking The Departed is slowly paced. I think this is also pretty relentless and it's not all that much longer than, than Infernal Affairs and it just gives it a little bit more room to breathe. I, I don't think it's really adding all that much that's entirely unnecessary uh, and most of what it has been added is probably just because it made for an interesting character or an interesting bit of dialogue uh, I heartily enjoy Mark Wahlberg's character uh, he's very entertaining in it I'd say overall The Departed is a much more entertaining film structurally perhaps the original is better in some regards but I would say that the performances from all of the main cast and also the craft of it, I think it's a better shot film, I think it's a better paced film and I think it's a more enjoyable film in that regard. It's certainly a lot funnier. It's a bit less cheesy in places. There's some bits in Fernal Affairs that are, let's say, there's some shots that Martin Scorsese would not pick, put it that way. And I think in general, I think part of this is because Infernal Affairs has kind of ruined, Infernal Affairs 3 has kind of ruined Infernal Affairs for me because... The Departed is not a subtle film, and I've always taken that as to be kind of what the, the little nod to the, that rat at the end is sort of Scorsese's little admission. It's like, yeah, this is this was not this is one of my broader efforts rather than anything particularly subtle. But Infernal Affairs Three is a mess, and it does some really strange things to Andy Lau's character at the end. It's it's a strange mix of prequel and direct sequel and is essentially him going crazy under the pressure of what his actions were at the end of the first film and it has kind of coloured my perceptions of his character quite badly so yes it would probably best to actually skip two and three they don't really add an awful lot to it the infernal affairs legend and infernal affairs two is is not bad i don't think but all it's really doing is making it is muddying up the waters. Part of the one semi-legitimate criticism that people have about this party is that other people know, too many people know about the identity of these undercover people and that's true when you compare it directly to Infernal Affairs I think, although I think actually there might be the, the, the kind of boss of the police academy might know as well. I would need to go back and check. 
don't remember the timing exactly, but by the time you get to Infernal Affairs 2, you have literally got a busload of people that know about <laughs> the identity of these people. Admittedly, there were only three people in a bus at the time, but it was still a busload of people. And um, yeah, so that doesn't really uh, help Infernal Affairs' case for being the, the cleaner of the two films. I just like it. I think that from everything that departed from the performances, to the way it's based, to the soundtrack, to the visuals, and to all the supporting characters, just makes it a far more enjoyable watch now, going back to it, than Infernal Affairs. Not that I'm saying that Infernal Affairs is in any way, shape, or form a bad film. It's still a tremendously enjoyable film, and the answer to this is you should watch them both, of course. But I, I would give the edge to Martin Scorsese's effort. Whereas I think the original is better, by a fair margin, actually. And I think The Departed is very good, but on this most recent rewatch, maybe there is some fatigue in that I've largely watched the same story twice in a couple of days. Hmm. But I just don't find Boston an interesting location. And so much of it's kind of sunny, and I just, I don't, I don't particularly like the setting or the way it's shot. There are, I mean, still, Ken, please don't mistake this for not liking the film. I think it's very, very good. But I don't care much for the soundtrack and I don't like the racism and I don't like, oh, we're really, really Irish and we'll have the dropkick Murphy shipping up to Boston just to, in case you'd forgotten it's all about Irish people. Um, not that any of them are actually from Ireland. but Or they're um, walking around in t-shirts that say Irish, just in yes. case. <laughs> and there is one of Frank Costello's crew is Scottish, but I assume they assume they think that people in the United States can't tell the difference between the accents. I don't know, but I just like the depart. Uh, sorry, the Infernal Affairs more. I think it's more efficient. I do think Andy Lau is a much better actor than Matt Damon, and I do like Matt Damon a lot. And I, maybe of the the big difference between the two is I much prefer the ending of the original because you get the idea that Andy Lau's Inspector Ming has been pretend he's the bad guy pretending to be the good guy for twenty years or whatever, and at the end it's like maybe he actually wants to give being a genuine good guy a go. And then just when he's decided to, to do it and to make things right, it all goes wrong. Uh, whereas at the end, it's, oh, well, he just, he dies then. And it's, can I find that boring? It feels like the Hollywood happy ending, and I don't like it. I much prefer it now. I probably wouldn't have said it at the time, um, but yes, the way The Departed ends is a, really a much neater and more satisfying ending than Infernal Affairs 3. Um, so ah, I'm not uh, now. If you, if, you, if you want to talk pretend, sequels at all, I mean, if you want to pretend that that doesn't exist, fair enough. You know, the, the reality of it is that it's there, and there's a film that's went on to do something just mental. And, no, I, I said at the start yeah. that I was only talking about Infernal Affairs one and The Departed, and I find the end of The Departed really disappointing. I don't like it at all. Again, because the characters aren't the same, though, because. Matt Damon's character never changes. There is no character development in that character at all, whereas in Infernal Affairs there is. But I still find it kind of too neat. Like, oh, well, like Mark Wahlberg turns up and gets vengeance, and I just find that tremendously dull. It is a bit too neat in a, in a number of things. Uh, it is obviously I'm trying to go for a bit more crowd-pleasing Hollywood ending, I suppose. It does fulfil the, the kind of natural order of justice in a way that the Infernal Affairs one doesn't, but as I say, it's I can't unsee Infernal Affairs three. Uh, seeing what happens to that character after that, does you know you you've ascribed some nice character motivations to him there, but let's just say that the rest the rest of the series does not hold up um, in the way you would perhaps want it to go. So 
Well, then I am blissfully yes. ignorant at the moment, Scott. What I say, I cannot erase that from my mind. So yes, and in that regard, yeah, I have to give the nod to the departed for the cleaner ending. It doesn't have such a potential for horrors the way that Infernal Affairs wound up leaving things. Again, like I say, I think we're both of the same mind that both films are very good and should be seen. I still can't believe you'd you'd be watching The Departed and thinking that this needs to speed up. But then again, I suppose you wouldn't believe that I was sitting watching Infernal Affairs thinking it needs to slow down. So I guess that works out quite well. Yeah, I genuinely just enjoyed how, how quickly Infernal Affairs speeds along. I like the fact that it's not stopping to explain things. You need to pay attention because all the information is there. Just as long as you pay attention and it feels in comparison to the party just spells things out a bit too much. Again, we're arguing about the merits or relative merits of two very good films. It's not like one is bad and one is good. Hmm. Just disagreeing which is better. So where do you think it fits in the, the, the Scorsese canon then? Uh, you mentioned it, it was more of the make good Oscar for... Uh, good mm, fellas, yeah, nothing oh. else. And, but yeah, it is, uh, it is obviously the the weak link if you're comparing it to. I mean, I guess the obvious ones being Goodfellas and Casino. Certainly nothing up to the level of those. And if you're talking about Scorsese in general, then it's probably top ten Scorsese, but it's not as good as, for instance, The Wolf of Wall Street. Hmm. Which, uh, if there's any recent Scorsese film, he was going to get, he should have got an Oscar for it's The Wolf of Wall Street and not The Departed. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of Scorsese gangster films I think probably with the proviso that it's a long long time since I saw it that it's probably about on a par with Mean Streets but way behind Goodfellas and hmm. definitely behind Good Casino as well Yeah, and for you? Uh, yeah I, I agree yes not that it's a gangster film but I do I always think I should go back and reevaluate Gangs of New York which is a film I didn't like when it came out no, I, I didn't care for me. I thought it was it was okay because it's still a Martin Scorsese film and while I don't like all of his films, he doesn't really make bad films. Yeah. But I didn't care a great deal for Gangs of New York and it's something I have considered revisiting as well. Particularly because it was at the time mainly because it was that awkward period where you couldn't quite admit to liking Leonardo DiCaprio yet. So I don't, I don't know if maybe I'll go back and I don't have that uh, ludicrous little uh, teen actor stigma. <laughs> That I'm that I'm putting on him. Leonardo DiCaprio gets a lot of hate actually, and I I never liked him in just sort of the 1990s really when he was yeah. becoming famous. He took a while because he always looked so young, which definitely yeah. was um, was against him. He took a while really to grow into his features, I think. Yeah, and then I think Gangs of New York may have actually been the same year as Catch Me If You Can. It was very similar. Catch Me If You Can is 2002, I think. It sounds about right if it gets you. It's maybe the year before. Yeah. But it's something about Catch Me If You Can, even though when he was playing Frank Agnale Jr., he's still kind of young looking. But that's when I started to really, really appreciate Leonardo DiCaprio and he's yeah. starting to grow into his features. Yeah, but before that, it's consider Leonardo DiCaprio, I think, maybe of What's Eating Gilbert Grape, a film I saw so long ago I barely remember. Hmm. But certainly Titanic, which... I have not seen, but I've seen enough of that I know I will hate. Um, and I don't want to spend 82 hours of my life watching it, or however long it happens to be. Hmm. And then the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet, I think was really the big thing pre-Titanic for DiCaprio. Yeah. And it never, it never appealed to me then at all. Yeah, and then you look at what he's done after that, after 
Gangs of New York, catch me if you can. Navy, Early Departed, Blood Diamond, Body of Lies, Revolution. You know, lots of Shutter Island. Yeah, an exception, obviously, we'll get up to mm. more recent times. But yeah, he's, he's had a tremendous career since then. And so maybe I do need to go back and reevaluate his earlier career and see if it's maybe it is just the case where you got a lot better over time. Or if it was just the case that, oh, I need to, I need to have my cool kid credentials by hating Titanic and everything associated with mm. it <laughs> getting in the way, which is uh, something I shouldn't really, shouldn't really admit to in public. So. From what they can remember, um, and again, it's a while since I've seen those earlier films, but I actually watched recently the, and assuming it's reasonably representative of the Half in the Bag episode of on Titanic, hmm. and I just know that I will hate that film in the way that I possibly as much as I hate Avatar, <laughs> but acting really is one of those things you very much get better with with age. Hmm. I mean, it's like the opposite of sports and things, you know, you just the, the older you get, the, the better you get it. And I do think that Caprio just is... He certainly, he, he grew into his features, which helped a lot, because he did look like a wee boy at times. Yeah. And I don't think that it helped. It's hard to buy him as a more adult character when he looks like he's 17. And for Leonardo DiCaprio personally, then I'm sure that's great. It means that when he's 70, he's going to look fantastic. But I do think he's just improved acting-wise since... Yes. And I have no particular desire to go back and re-watch Romeo and Juliet or watch Titanic to confirm that. That's maybe worth mentioning. Andy Lau Scott, who I've seen in a, a reasonable number of films. I've always liked Andy Lau. I thought he was really good in Infernal Affairs. It's not the best film, but I quite enjoy Full Time Killer. And there's a film that you and I both really liked, I think, from, I think, 2012, called A Simple Life. Yeah, 2011, according to this. Really touching story about um, an aging population in Hong Kong. Hmm. He's got quite a broad range of things he could do. I like Andy Lau a lot. He's, um, <laughs> he likes acting, it seems, from what you were telling me earlier. He either likes acting or he's got a lot of debt that needs to pay off. He's uh, he's in hock to uh, Wonga.com for some serious, serious Doremi. Um, Did you say 162 feature credits or something like that? He is now working on, there's There'll be 164 that are out and two in post-production. So a mere 164 uh, for and Andy Lau. Then he's 50s, I would guess, now? Something like that? Uh, born in 61. So yes, well, yeah. yes, that's um, that's quite an output. And with a singing career as well. Yes, whereas uh, Tony Tony Leung must have some, more, <laughs> some better idea of work-life balance. Uh, and also someone who's appeared in a, num- a huge number of films that I really like. Um, Red Cliff. Hard-boiled, chief amongst them, surely. Of course, in 2046. Whole bunch of whole bunch of earlier stuff, but yes. Yeah, he's worked with Wong Kar Wai a couple of times, isn't he? Is, is he in Last Question? I can't remember. He's worked with Wong Kar Wai or something else apart from 2046 too. But yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's I a Jumping he's... Express and things like that as well. He's not uh, in this many... The crazy number of films Andy Lau is. No, he's he's slacking off a mere ninety three credits. Maybe so. he's just got maybe Andy Lau's <laughs> just got a crazy smack habit. Well, yes, I, he's got the uh, he's been infected with that Nick Cage disease of wanting to star in every single film that's made. So he's just doing his best to get himself <laughs> out there. Particularly look forward to catching up with the Great Wall, where Andy Lau's in it as strategist Wang. Yeah, yeah. Talking though of because I think people will be particularly familiar with. The, the cast of The Departed, you know, so if you, it's not difficult for people to know where to look up DiCaprio or Matt Damon or... Ray Winston. Jack. I'm from Ray Ireland, Winston. I am. Ray Winston, who in almost every film he's in plays Ray Winston. Yes. 
anyway, the, the party is possibly slightly less Ray Winston than normal, but not by much. <laughs> but yeah, and Jack Nicholson, obviously, people are going to be familiar with him. I, th- I think if you know The Departed or you watch it as a result of this, perhaps, if you want to check out Tony Leung or Andy Lau, then I would particularly suggest Hard Boiled because one of the greatest action films of all time. Yes, indeed. It's it's up there with Die Hard as far as I'm concerned in terms of quality. And it and also 2040, and, yeah, 2046 is probably worth a watch, although very different style. Yeah. And very much I suggest for Andy Lau to watch A Simple Life. A really rather touching film that... Uh, of course, he's in some things you've probably already seen, like House of Flying Daggers. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, one that sort of popped in and then to rim was A World Without Thieves, which was actually quite a nice little film, so it's worth digging out if you can find it's, it somewhere. Uh, Tony Leung's also in Hero, which is one of the prettiest films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Redcliffe, too, as you mentioned, Scott. Definitely yes. worth having a look at. I'm not sure about the director of Infernal Affairs, though, Andrew Lau, no relation to Andy Lau, who's the star. I really know his work so much, I think. I have not seen much of his work. I've seen a few of his earlier stuff, which I wouldn't actually go out of my way to recommend, but the whole Young and Dangerous uh, films, there was a whole series of those, like, what, six, seven of them, which were okay, but very much of its time. I've seen The Storm Riders and A Man Called Hero, both of which were probably what I'd pick out of this list of the ones I've seen, which had a bit of an edge to them. Uh, were probably both a bit better, but it's been a long time since I've seen either of them. I think I've seen Initial D, but I remember almost nothing about it. Yeah, I've I did see an initial D film, but I can't. I don't know if it was that one. Uh, there's I think there's oh, been a few. Oh, there are multiple ones. Yeah, I think it's a it's a reasonably popular uh, franchise over there. Two thousand and five. I just know the name, but I don't really know much about it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it teams up with Alan Mack quite a lot, and there's a lot of films here that I've actually not seen, but I do want to actually catch up with Lady Cop and Papa Crook. I, I have no idea what it's about, but that sounds like a title. <laughs> a War Named Desire, which is. <laughs> A radical re-adaptation of a streetcar named Desire. All of this is talk has made me really, really want to watch the really, really, really terrible dub of Hard Boiled. Yes, yes. I don't know why, but because I I hate dubs, but I think I have a fondness for the original dub of that and the original dub of Akira, maybe because they're the versions that I watched um, at an impressionable age, early in high school. Mm. But the dub of Hard Boiled, I have a soft spot for. Although nothing obviously will ever beat the dub of Iron Monkey. Something else I took a real hankering to watch last week and I couldn't find anywhere and I don't know where my DVD is. <laughs> Governor, the monkey is showing his ass. I feel we've gone down a rabbit hole here, but yeah. terrible, terribly dubbed Hong Kong and Japanese films are really funny sometimes and unintentionally so. <laughs> I guess that will take us to the end of this podcast. We'll wrap things up there. It's one piece of feedback from the old Twitters, at Humfredo on Twitter. He thinks that while Wahlberg is great in Departed, his whole character's existence ruins the tension. In affairs, only the chief knows about the undercover cop. And as it sounds like you have a preference for Infernal Affairs over that, that means that you that becomes the tiebreaker and we can definitively declare that Infernal Affairs is in fact the better film due to that <laughs> tweet. So probably the most impactful 120 characters that there's been <laughs> written on anything. Thanks very much for putting up with us. If you would like to get in touch with us and give us some more feedback as to why we're either right or wrong, see which camp you're in, you can do so. Best place to do that is probably Twitter, at FudsOnFilm. There's also Facebook, that's a thing, facebook.com slash FudsOnFilm. And email, I'm told, this little thing, podcast at 
thoughts on film.com. So that's more than enough for this podcast. Uh, we'll be back fairly soon with some more nonsense. And until then, I have been Scott Morris, and I bid you adieu, and I'm sure that Drew Sandale does so too. Hasta luego.